Hey guys, Danny and Benji here with Contractor Evolution. Hey everyone. So here's a question to ponder. If you aren't intentionally using your business as a vehicle to bring about good in the world, what are you using it for? Turning a profit, growing your top line sales, beating the competition, these are all supremely important and good. But your business can and should be more. Uh, organizations have the inherent capability to bring people up, to change lives, to reduce suffering, and just make the world a better place. Now, that may sound cheesy, but think about it. Your business can do more than provide a paycheck. It can give people new skills they didn't have before. It can give your team a sense of belonging and community. It can foster personal growth, and it can inspire people to be better in their life outside of business. But it takes a special kind of leader. So today on the show, we're fortunate enough to have such a leader. Mr. Toby Woodowis from Woodowis Paintings can be speaking to us about how he builds into his people. He puts a ton of effort into the, doing this and ultimately has reaped a ton of reward, both personally and professionally with the organization he runs. And we're going to be discovering how he takes his personal why and spreads that into his people to help develop them, how he uses personality tests to help understand them better, and ultimately himself as a coach and developer of, of, of his people, and ultimately how to have healthy conflicts. I think a lot of us avoid conflict like the plague, whereas he uses that as a, as a tool to get into what's really going on with his people and take them to that next level. So without further ado, let's, uh, let's get into it. You're listening to Contractor Evolution, where we unpack the systems, tactics, and skills you need to take your fast-growing contracting business to the next level. If you're here to learn what it takes to scale up, work less, and increase profitability, you've come to the right place. Stay tuned to learn what separates the new breed of contractor from the old school, and welcome to your ultimate guide on the business of contracting. Toby, welcome to the show. We're really excited to have you. Yeah, buddy. Good to see you. Thanks, guys. Glad to, glad to be here. So we're just going to hop right into this. Um, I wanted to open up the conversation with, uh, you, know, you are someone that, that invests so heavily in your people. There's such a deep level of care, uh, a, a real like nurturing energy about you and your, your whole company and your leadership style. And I, I wonder if you could just start by taking us through like, what's the deeper why for you? And first, the way you say that makes me feel really good about myself. <laughs> That's good. I got, I got warm all you over, should. so good job, Benji. I think I found your why, telling people nice things about themselves. <laughs> so, um, yeah, the deeper why for me, um, it was kind of a journey of multiple years, right, where I just, I was like, you know, what am I, what's, what's you know, I want to do something that's really impactful and, you know, makes a big impact and, you know, there's a lot of things I used to think I cared about that I just don't anymore. Mm. Um, and really the why is more of a spiritual thing for me. Um, I, I look at it like I have been given resources and it's my job to help grow and manage those. And I see my people as the biggest resource that I have. So um, through our process, I really try to hire people that are a really good fit for organization that match our values, but that also have a lot of uh, potential where they can uh, go much farther with somebody coming alongside and helping them. So, you know, really, I, I just, I really see it as my purpose, my calling. Um, it, maybe you'd say that to help people to become more aligned with what they were uh, created to do. And that's actually what one of our, one of our company values. Hmm. So like, this is not a, like a business tactic or strategy for you. This is like, this is a, comes from a way deeper place. Totally. So, um, I, I, I look at it now as 
my goal in my business is to give me more opportunities to do my why with people, right? So um, I want to be around people that I can help grow. I want to be in organizations that help people grow. Like it's the business is a side thing. I have to make money and I, I want to make a lot of money so I can do more of this stuff. But yeah, it's, it's not a business tactic, like purely dollars and cents. I don't know that you could say, Hey, this pays off for the time invested. If I was looking to just make a bunch of money, you know, who knows what I'd be doing, but um, I, I want to do that, but I want to do that through helping people to just perform at a level that they didn't realize was possible before. It's good, man. Every, every time I interact with you, I always notice you, you hold this one little idea in your mind, which is I don't really care about the transactional side of our relationship. I actually just care about investing in people regardless of who they are and what the, you know, it's, it's, it's refreshing. I think there's a lot of people out there that see employees as, you know, a means to an end to achieve a goal versus you see your people as the goal. They are the reason why you're doing what you're doing, which is really neat. Yeah, totally. Yeah. How, yeah. How, how is that? Like, how has getting clear on your why, um, how has that clarified your vision as a leader? Like, it, has it has it made the the painted picture that you're working towards clearer? Has it made the way that you communicate with your team or how you make decisions easier? Like, I'm 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 curious how this this like deeper why has influenced your role as the leader of the business. So it, I would say it has influenced it in every way possible that it ever could, and and then even more. Um, it's, it's like you're walking towards, you're walking in a direction versus walking towards a destination. So if you're walking in a destination, you can go left, right, wander, and you're really, maybe you get there, maybe you don't, but your progress won't be nearly what it could be if you just pick a point and say this laser point, I'm going at that point on the map. Mm -hmm. So for me, it's helped me to, uh, eliminate things that I thought were goals that really weren't. Um, it's helped me to avoid distractions. Uh, the area I live in the Bay area in California is the land of distraction. Everybody's goals and plans are on display. The big house, the fancy car, the vacations, you know, social media is based here. And, um, I, I think it's, it helps you to avoid those distractions going, Nope, we're not going there. We're not going there. We're going this way. And so it helps me to keep my people focused, um, helps me to keep myself focused, which is a really big job in and of itself. <laughs> um, and so in, in every way, in my daily planning and having conversations with employees about what they do and how they do it, it it's helped in every way. That's good, man. It's curious when you, when you look at all your people and you look at just like the business you have on hand and everything else you have going on in your life from your you know family life to your you know professional life, there's only so much energy. And I know even for myself, there's only so much energy I can put out every single day and you have to kind of know where to focus it. You mm. said, you know, to focus is a problem with you. It's a focus is a problem with me too. <laughs> most, <laughs> most entrepreneurs have that. But when you look at your people specifically, like how do you decide I'm, this is who I'm going to invest in? And how do you decide sometimes this is who I'm not going to invest in? How do you start to make those types of decisions? So I, I'm going to invest in every one of them. And if they don't like it, I'm going to help them find a new job. So if like, oh, I don't want to grow. Like that's a big thing. We talk about it in the interview process. You know, are you willing to grow? Like this is a growth organization. You're going to grow. And that's going to be a little bit painful sometimes, but we're going to do this together. And if you're not interested in that, you're going to hate this job, right? You're going to, it's going to be harder than most jobs 
like this, but you're going to get more out of it than any other person. So I, there, so I choose to invest in everybody and help them all grow. Um, but sometimes I have to hold on and say, we're going to pause this right now because where you are in life for the next 90 days, six months, you're doing the absolute best you can. And so I'm not going to put the extra pressure of, okay, get better in this way right away. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, sometimes you have an employee who's having a, a personal crisis with family and it's critical to know where their headspace is at so that you know not to also put more extra pressure on them to be learning and growing in this way. Sometimes it's like, Hey man, I need a day to just do my job and go home. And that's gotta be okay. It's interesting. You said you go right to the interview process and that's where it starts. So it's just like before even you start onboarding somebody, you're identifying whether or not this person is ready and able to be invested into. How do you identify that? How do you, how do you look into that? So uh, there's this great organization called BTA that's helped (laughs) me in my interview process. And they just beat into my head values, 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 values. And I heard so many times, I think a hundred and at a hundred, I go, Oh, that's important. So um, I interview 50% of the interview is based on the values of our company and finding out from them how that, that is important to them. So the big, the big, my big trick is if I have a, somebody I'm interviewing and they start talking about how our value of personal growth is important to them and they're not getting emotional at all, like nothing they're they're It's not, it's not important. They're just talking. But if they, if one of those values, they start getting emotional about, boom, I know I just got something great. And I know that's a match because if, it, if it's truly your value, you talk about it, you're going to start getting you excited or tearing up or something. Yeah. Right? yeah. Something's going to happen. Yeah. I, values is an interesting. One. I, I, I hear two different camps in this and, and I'm on the camp of, I agree with what you're saying actually, but I, I hear a lot of people be like values, like what do you mean company values? Like, where does that actually, how do you even quantify that? That's not very tangible. And, but yet I, I do see exactly what you're talking about. A lot of people miss on that in the interview process. And they just say, does this person have the skill to do this? Do they have the experience? Let's give them a shot. And they realize later, even if that person does a good job at their job, if their values aren't aligned, they rub everybody the wrong way and piss everyone off in the process. It's not yeah. a very long-term relationship that's worth having. Right. So, yeah, it's, yeah, it, it, uh, it can be somebody that's ridiculously skilled at what we do has done exactly that job for somebody else. But if their values aren't aligned, when, when push comes to shove, they're going to make a different choice than everybody else. And there's going to be that it's, it's going to go against the culture of the company. So I think it's really important that, that our office is a safe space to grow. And in order to grow, we have to be safe and everybody's got to know, Hey, we all care about each other and we're going to, we're going to do this together. And if you bring somebody in who's not a values match, it could be a disaster and it'll stop that growth process, which that's, that's why we're here. Toby, one of the things, uh, like a conversation that, that, you know, I feel like I've had with you a couple of times at, at BTA events or, or, uh, just like over the years of working with you is, is like, you've got this, um, You've said like it starts with you, like self-awareness is sort of the beginning of all of this stuff. And I'm wondering if you can sort of unpack for us your journey where that's concerned. When you started to learn about who Toby was and his strengths and weaknesses and, you know, how that fits into an organization, like just kind of take us through, um, yeah, that that journey, because it's a really interesting one and something I think a lot of our listeners would benefit from hearing. Sure. Yeah. So. Um, it's, it's years and years and years, right? And you, 
you just, you know, like for me, um, you go through high school and college and you're looking at things and trying things out and finding things, some things work, some things don't. But um, for me, the big uh, self-awareness really started when I, um, I went on a, <laughs> a missions trip to Mexico with my church. And I went the first time, and I know I should have gone a long time ago. I just felt like I needed to go. And I went on this trip, and I immediately loved it. It was amazing. And then I went again and again in the same year. Went three times the first year. And um, it was, gosh, I, everybody uses the transformational word, but it was transformational. On the on the second trip, um, my uh, we, we found out there was this um, – there's all these little kids that were going to be um, hanging around and we were supposed to do a, like a, 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 a kid's event to keep these kids busy while um, one of the, the, the leaders was teaching the men. And I said, Hey, what's, what's, what's going on with this? What's some more details? And the, the leader of the trip says, Oh yeah, there's going to be like, you know, 40 dads and you got to keep the kids busy while the dads for like an hour and a half, two hours. I said, okay, how many kids? And they're like, maybe 120. <laughs> None of these kids speak English. None of us speak Spanish. Just like, you know, five, six guys. I'm like, wow, who's in charge of that? She goes, how about you? You? And I'm like, okay, I'll do that. So my buddy and I went and got luchador costumes and planned this out, put this whole thing. And the whole day we're just going and doing water balloon fights and giving away candy and uh, wrestling kids. And I, like the end of the day, uh, my buddy and I are there and we're exhausted and it's like emotionally drained. Like that was crazy. And it was like, man, we could do this for the rest of our lives. Something like this. Like I actually felt God spoke to me and said, Hey, this is what this kind of stuff is what I want you to do. Mm. And so I'm like, I'm going to be a missionary. And then I go back to my pastor and he says, no, you're not. <laughs> you have a business. You can make money and you can support 10 guys that know people there that speak the language. So no, you're not, you're not going to do that. And I'm like, yeah, you're not supposed to tell me that. And he's like, well, that's what it is. And over like the next years, I realized, hey, he was totally right. So I go, I'm, you know, it's my business. So I started volunteering and with an organization, with an organization called Teen Challenge and did some mentoring with them and um, started doing, leading some stuff and doing some serving stuff and um, got a, a personal coach, took some, uh, said this something called disc assessment, worked with BTA, started taking PSI. And um, for me, it was just this kind of journey of starting with service project, doing some other serving, and then finding out like, man, when I do this stuff, when I help people, doing a ridiculous level where nobody else would do that, right? We painted our clothes that day when we helped these kids. Mm-hmm. We're spray painting our boots black. We're like wearing a luchador mask. I didn't realize in Mexico that the kids want to rip the mask off your head and we tied it on. So they're like ripping this hundred kids are ripping these masks off our heads. And these kids are not like little wimps. Like they're going hard. Scrappy. Is, don't do that. Like that was a bad idea. But I learned like, Hey, like I started seeing this thing where I would do something that other people were like, no, I'm afraid of that. Or I'm scared of that. Like the, the area we go to teen challenge in Oakland is a very dangerous neighborhood. Mm. You don't go there at night and we're going at night. <laughs> we're going Sunday night, Tuesday night. And, and I realized like, Hey, if you do a little short, like a sprint, go a little harder than everybody else for a sprint, you can make a huge difference for this person. And so I've seen this theme that, Hey, it, I see somebody who needs something. It, if I'm willing to go 
and go further than anybody else to help them for a short time, instead of that person having this downward spec, this downward for the next two years, they do this and they bounce. And then all of a sudden they go, man, that was awesome. They, they had as much fun as I did and they want to do the same thing. Wow. Wow. So like you, this trip that you, you went on, um, it sparked something in you. You felt something you hadn't felt before. You're like, I, I want more of this. I think this is, you know, maybe why I'm, why I'm here. And, (laughs) and then, but, but through some, some, some coaching, some counseling, some good advice, uh, you know, you mentioned your pastor, he's like, you know, you can achieve this through your business. Like your company could be a vehicle through which you, you bring this good into the world. Totally. And that's totally. what you've, that's, yep. that's essentially what you've done since. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. You, you, you mentioned the disc test a couple of minutes ago and, and I'm, I know for you, like some of these personality profiles have been really helpful in, sh- in showing you, Hey, yeah, I know this is, you know, this is what I bring to the table. These other areas I'm maybe not so good at. Uh, how, how has the insight and lessons gained from those personality profiles. I mean, first of all, just tell us like how you've used them, but then I'd be really curious to know how they've changed the way that you build your organization and sort of surround yourself with people. Yeah. So it, it really helped knowing myself better, right? So one of the things you learn when you when you do these assessments is that there's all different kinds of people. And we I don't know if everybody thinks this, but I certainly did. I'm the best kind of person. You should all be like me, right? And that would be a disaster in every level, in every business. Like it, the world would be on fire in 10 minutes. So it's it would be terrible. Um, so I think you, you, you learn to realize that this other personality type that really irritates me is there for a reason. Some of it's to help me grow. Some of it's to take care of things that I am not going to see. So um, I, uh, I, the first step for me was really understanding who I am and the strengths and the weaknesses and knowing that that's how I was made. And it's okay to, to, to not be great at everything. Like there's some things you just go, because I'm good at this, I will not be good at this. So give us an example. Right? Like what, what are those things? Like, you know, what, what does your video game character look like? What categories oh. do you score very high yeah. in? And then which ones are you oh. maybe pretty bad in? I love to talk a lot and I love to use big, huge, awesome, big words. I love to encourage people and I will go to the point and don't do it anymore. But I used to just, I was the King BSer. Right. Just just, I just want to say stuff to make you feel good. I'll just say stuff. It's not even true. Like, you know, it's just, it's, it's terrible to do that. So I went to an extreme in that way. Uh, I'm really good at going fast at any kind of a challenge. I'll just take it on and blow it up. But I'm terribly, uh, I miss details like nobody's business. And I will skim things. So if I'm talking to somebody and they're sharing something that's really important to them, I will just blast through it if I'm on my go fast mode. So I got to slow down for that, right? Um, I have... I think I have negative empathy. Like I, I have a list of empathetic statements on my phone that I'll refer to when somebody's sharing a story that's important because I know I need to say this thing to them. But man, it's really that I'm terrible at that. So I need to work on that. But I also know that hey, I would be terrible at listening to people talk about their problems for all for eight hours a day. I'd be the worst therapist, right? Mm-hmm. And. You know, I am never going to be great at that. I can be better 
But I also know that I need to hire people that score high in that area. Right. Right. I need to hire a person who's very detailed and, and um, really considers um, all the factors that are going to happen um, and all the bad things that can happen. Cause I, I, I'm super optimistic. And so that's great in some ways, but it's also a challenge when you uh, need to be very careful in an in area. So um, one, one thing that these assessments really help me with is real recognizing that there's a key employee I have, recognizing that the things that really made me crazy about him are things I need desperately in my business, right? He's very careful. He really thinks a lot about stuff. He's a worrier. And I would say, don't worry. But that's who he is. Just like you can tell me, Toby, don't go so fast. I'm going to go fast <laughs> as fast as I can, you know? So um, it helped me to, uh, to really value the things that he brings to the table and know that I need to speak to him with pre- precision, not use general words. Don't exaggerate. Cause it actually, I lose credibility with him when I do that. And when I started uh, managing myself better, all of a sudden our relationship changed mm-hmm. and we get along great. Mm-hmm. And it was, there was days we just have conflicts. I'm like, I'm going to fire this guy. And it was terrible. Yeah. It was all because of the way I, the way I was, I was, I, I wasn't modifying my behavior to work better with him. There's a big difference between somebody who has a difference in core values and then a difference in skill set. And it's actually hard sometimes to always recognize what's different when you're just caught in the weeds every single day. And I think, you know, I've, I've had exactly what you're talking about, Toby, where it's, you know, Igor, my business partner, is the most detail-oriented person I've ever met in my entire life. But when I first met him, I hated him. I was like, this guy is too, you know, he's just, he's got a big stick up his ass. He's just like, what's wrong with this guy? And yeah. I, I, our first interaction, although he may not always agree or realize, was not a, was not a positive one. And yet, whatever it's been almost 15 years later, he's one of my best friends. He's one of my, he inspires me every single day. And what the biggest thing I had to realize was this guy has the exact same core values that I have every single day. Mm -hmm. He thinks the exact same way I do. We make very similar decisions when we're faced with like extreme circumstances, but his skill set's extremely different. And instead of me being, having an ego about it and being like, Hey, it should be done my way or him being like, Hey, it should be done my way. We're both like, wonder why that person thinks so differently than me. I wonder what I could learn from that. And that's true in my, obviously my business relationships, relationships with my team, relationships with my wife. And I see that with so many of the entrepreneurs we work with every single day. A lot of them, not all of them, but a lot of them have that similar personality that you have, that I have. And as we grow out of this grassroots level entrepreneur world where we do everything ourselves and we start to shed some of the stuff out, it's so important to just let go a little bit and realize like, who are the opposites to me and how do I surround myself with those people? I don't need to be better than them actually. If, and if anything, I need to learn from them just as much as they need to learn from me. Yeah. Well, and, and I know I need them. Like I desperately need them. It, I could not do like I had reached a point in my business where doing it the way I was doing it was I would not, it wouldn't be where I'm at today. Mm-hmm. Right. And so I, I had to realize that I need them and I need them to do the things that I used to do um, so that I can do the things I'm great at. Right. Cause mm-hmm. as an entrepreneur, you do all the stuff and you, as an entrepreneur, you really need to get a bookkeeper, right? Yeah. <laughs> like, and the bookkeepers drive me crazy because they're like, oh my gosh, you care about all these things that are not important. And they're not important to me, but they're really important to them. And they're really important to the IRS. <laughs> like they're very important to those guys. <laughs> so you, you need a bookkeeper and I need to go. And that was an easy thing to give off. But uh, I used to be like, my identity was I'm the problem solver. 
And I had to give up that identity that I saw as myself, as I love problem solving. It was fun to fix problems because I need, I need to let somebody take on that role and grow. But I also need to work in an area that's a higher level of value, yeah. right? My value of really, I want to help people grow. I want to help them to identify what they were really created to do. That's so, I like, love doing that. I would do it all day long. And I could maybe do that without sleep for like two months straight, but the, maybe. This- but I liked the problem solving part, but I had to give that up. And I, I, it, you know, it feels great when you have your name in a Yelp review saying how great you are, but, and I, that was kind of a, a little bit ego thing. Oh, that's cool that a customer knows me. I, I had to give that up and go, I want my employees' names to be there, not mine, mm-hmm. because I know for them, it's going to mean a lot. And I need to not be dealing with the customers day to day so that I can do this thing of developing the people, right? It's fun talking to customers. I love visiting with them, but I, 10 times more love helping people grow and just become awesome. Yeah. So I had to say, I got to give up this thing for this thing. That's, that, that's the power of, of some of these tools and some of this work that you've done for yourself where, where self-awareness is concerned. Like, you know, you, you take a, like you take a disc test. I've done lots of disc tests and I'm a high I with a backup D so high influence, but like pretty dominant also like, you know, fast moving, make decisions quickly, take no prisoners type of person, but I have a really low C and a really low S. So like you pretty bad with details, (laughs) Um, not the most conscientious. I like, I can like ruffle feathers an awful lot. And, but when you get this, when you get this feedback sort of in a test, you know, you, you finish it and you read what it says about you and you're like, Oh, Oh, okay. That's, that's pretty accurate. That's a little harsh. Are you sure? You like show it to your buddy or someone you work with. They're like, see, like exactly. I've been saying this to you for years, but the point of this, the the point of, of these tools and, and this type of work is is to to do something with the information that it gives you. And this is something that Gary Vee talks about all the time. He's like, just triple down at what you're good at and like forget about the rest of it. And like realize, like have the humility to realize that there's probably like three or four things that you're genuinely really gifted at and everything else you're either average or more than likely below average. So yeah, I, and I think that's the message I'd, I'd like for like, you know, listeners and young entrepreneurs to hear is is if you're sort of if you're operating under the illusion that you need to be the master of every task within your business, like that's not going to be the case for very long. Maybe in your first year, but pretty quickly, you're going to see where you add le- where you add value, where you have leverage, and everything else. Sh- you sh- it's your it's your job now to find people that are better at those things than you. Um, yeah. Yeah. Let's talk about something pretty real. Yeah. When you when you work with people that are so different than you, it's organically going to happen quite often actually that you guys get pissed off at each other. Mm-hmm. Right? So <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> how do you go about having just like a good healthy conflict with somebody as you're working with people and developing them, especially when they have a very different almost like mindset or thought around the same problem that you guys are trying to solve together? Well, I I think the first part is um it's kind of like a bank account. Um, you've got to have a high value in that relationship, right? And um, if you do, when you make a withdrawal from it, an irritating comment or something, um, as long as your balance is high, you're going to be okay. They're going to give you the benefit of the doubt. Um, and so I think it's, there's that saying, people don't care what you know until they know that you care, mm-hmm. right? So I think that 
invests that puts a lot in that bank account. Um, I, I, I like, we know there's going to be conflicts and, you know, I know my team, me being really open with my, my assessment on PSI and disc with him of, Hey guys, I'm not going to be the careful guy and I'm not going to be the guy that's going to, um, you, we're going to talk and you're going to feel like I just heard you so well and listened to your emotions. I'm going to, I'm working on that, but have a reasonable expectation for me and I'll have a reasonable expectation for you knowing that you're great at some things and some things you have a challenge with. So um, I think you got to start with that part of having that good value in the relationship where you both care. And then when there's a conflict, you just got to talk about it. Right. And not you're here and I'm here. You got to, uh, there's a really great um, uh, practice. I actually talked to one of my team about this morning um, about handling a, um, uh, what's it called? Uh, accountability conversation. Mm-hmm. And and there's a really cool part in there. And I got this template from this great organization called BTA. <laughs> um, but there's a real good part in there that I used to do all the time the wrong way. And it says, don't go into what they're thinking. Talk about what actually happened, Right. And don't say, well, I know you did this because you were thinking this and you're feeling this. You're making a huge mistake going there. You just got to stay at this is what happened. And when you talk about that, all of a sudden you come together, right? And you don't even have to agree on the conflict. You just have to take that space and just make it get as small as possible. And all of a sudden you guys find some some common ground. And, um, you know, if we it, – it's – just talking about those things yeah. and having to be okay where I'm not attacking them saying, Hey, this happened. What's going on? Tell me where you're, what you're thinking about this. You know, um, where, you know, here's what I was thinking. What do you think? Conflict is a, a really, really scary thing for a lot of people. Like I, I kind of think 95% of the working population just avoids it like the plague and just like won't have a conversation with the higher up that they're frustrated with. They won't give a peer feedback that they probably need to hear. And they just sort of like live their life, you know, with like, it's almost a bubble person. They, they can't bump into anything cause it's going to like, they're going to die if it happens. It's a, it's a, and it's a really, really unhealthy way of being. Um, as we know, Danny, you like you're one of, you're, you're one of the best people with conflict I've probably ever worked with. And I think, um, like maybe just tell what, do, what do you, what are the practical steps? Like just give people a framework to follow. Cause this stuff is scary. And if you can go into one of these conversations where you're like, you're well prepared and you're just like, okay, I'm just going to do these two or three things and we'll see what happens. But I think if I do these well, probably the outcome is going to be helpful. Like, would you, do you have any really ground level, like easy to follow advice sure yeah i mean i've definitely had my share of conflicts and i've definitely messed a lot of them up so i've learned <laughs> through of trial course. and error over years but uh, yeah i mean one of, the, one of the biggest things i do before i have a conflict with somebody is I, I i approach it from the place of at some level this person is making these decisions based on what they perceive to be the best version of their reality like you know a really cool analogy i always think about i think it was psychology class i took it years ago but it was just about two kids walking down on the sidewalk and a dog bark let's call it a black lab barks at them from a yard one kid takes off the other kid runs to go pet the dog what's the difference well one had a very different childhood where he got bit by a dog the other one had a black lab as a pet and he loved him the whole time 
the same thing happened to both kids, but they perceived that reality very differently mm -hmm. based on their past experiences. And so going into any conflict with any human being, we have to realize that we see everything through our lens. Like physically, people have a different shade, almost like they're colorblind, have a different shade of how they see that mm -hmm. reality around them. And if you go into a conflict being like, this person must be stupid, lazy, or unmotivated, and I got to tell them what to do now, you're already going to mess that up more than it already was. But if you go into that being like, I wonder why this person thinks and feels the way they do, and I wonder why I think and feel the way I do, and you're able to like give that a little bit of a check first, it'll help you go in with a lot more of an open mind. You know, there's this saying in conflict resolution class, if anyone's ever taken it, but it's, it's, it's really good for me to remember. It's seek first to understand, then seek to be understood. And I think there's different personality types out there. There's those who you know are like you and me and Toby who are very like, we will attack, right? So we don't take time to understand first. We're just like, let me tell you all the reasons you're wrong. And, and, and when someone's <laughs> trying to like talk back at you, like you're not even listening to what they're saying. You're just like planning your next attack at them. That's an argument, right? That's not a conflict. A conflict is actually a very positive thing when done right. properly. And just to be open to be able to listen to that and under seeking first to understand and then you seek to be understood. What's also interesting about this, I remember when I went into learning about conflict resolution, I went in there being like, what could they possibly teach me? Like, I have no problem telling people like, what's up? Like, I'll, I'll, I'll speak my mind all the time. And then they're like, yeah, Danny, it's because you're an aggressive personality. There's also other people who have passive personalities mm. that actually don't say what's really on their mind and actually need to learn to speak up, to be able to say their part and not just take all the blame. And then they told me about a third one too called passive aggressive which is pretty much 90% of the Canadian population. Yeah, totally. <laughs> but, but Plague up here. Yeah, totally. We, we're, we'll, we'll say a little snarky remarks and we'll say what's really on our mind, but not really. Um, <laughs> and in all of that, it was kind of the conclusion that that whole course actually taught me was you need to not have any of those. Those are all animal parts of your brain just firing, trying to help protect you no matter what way you react. Yeah. The proper way to approach a conflict is with an assertive personality which doesn't mean I'm going to be strict. It actually means I'm going to respect myself and that other person as I approach a common ground with this individual. So, you, you know, a couple of key points is seek first, understand, then seek to be understood. Approach with an assertive personality. And then, Toby, you brought up the other one, which is don't try and solve the problem. Try and find common ground and make that the goal of the conversation. So, 100%. Active listening plays a huge role in this too, just on the seek to understand piece. Like, like you need to ask questions. And then when you ask the question, you need to shut up and listen and you need to like nod your head and, and repeat it back to them and make sure that you've, you've, you've heard what they've said. And, um, the, you know, there's, there's just a, a lot of problems that get solved. A lot of conversations that get me made easier when you, uh, you know, you, you have two ears and one mouth for one reason. Right. <laughs> um, it's really good. What, um, I, I'd love to hear a little bit more about like just the, the, the ongoing management of your, your people, Toby, um, you know, let, let's be real. Like there are, there's times when people are underperforming, right? Like there are jobs that get screwed up. There are mistakes that get made. There are customers that call in and say, Hey, your painters have done this. Like this, this like, let's be real about the realities of running a, a painting company. Um, how do you handle how do you handle that when when it comes up um what like how does this your, your management style kind of influence it what do the conversations look like i'd just be very curious to to hear about how you uh how you deal with those situations so yeah typically when we have a uh, uh something like that that comes up 
Um, the way that I like to deal with it and I like my team to deal with it is really ask a lot of questions, find out what really happened, right? What's really the problem? Um, usually if, if a customer or somebody brings something up, they're not going to tell you the real thing that is really bothering them first. They're going to say kind of float something out there to see if you bite on it, right? Mm -hmm. And so if I quickly say, oh, that's the problem, I'm going to solve it, which is my nature to do, I'm not going to solve the real problem, right? So I need to ask questions, really listen to that person, understand, and it takes a tremendous amount of self, uh, uh, self-restraint self to just slow down. So whenever I'm doing that, I need to slow way down and ask lots of questions and take notes, right? So I know for me, I have to, to be actively listening. I have to be writing things down. Mm. So when, when I do that, I understand it. I'll restate it back to that customer or the person that's the real problem of, hey, it seems like this is really the core of the issue. If this is solved, then, then, this, then we're good. And then go to the person, the offender, the person that did that and ask them, hey, so I've talked to this customer. They told me about their, this other person. They told me about the situation. Tell me what's going on. And then um, I get their, their perspective. So I hear both sides. And then we want to find the solution. Typically, my role is not to tell them what the solution is. It's to, if I can put the two together, say, here's what I heard, here's what you heard, you know, what do you think is a solution? So if I have two employees that there's a conflict with, I'll put them together in a room right away. And um, we actually did this, did this the other day. There was a very minor uh, conflict, but it was something that was emotional for one, one person. And I, I give two minutes to one person to say how that situation made them feel. The other person gets their uh, time to repeat back to them what they heard. Mm. And then the other person says, okay, this is what, how the situation made me feel. This is what I was thinking, feeling and that, and then that person gets a minute to respond back to them. And with that process, you get all of a sudden this gap was like, you're so this and you're so this, they just come together. They understand it and then say, great. What do you guys think is a good solution here? And it worked Mm -hmm. perfectly. Mm Mm-hmm. And, and, and the one person says, well, how do I tell you I don't have time to hear your story and talk? Like, I don't want to be rude. And they said, just tell me I don't have time. Really? Okay. And it was, he could have said that and that would have been offensive. But because now this employee said, yeah, you can tell me that. You have permission to say, hey, don't have time. Got to go. Amazing. I, um, I, I love the way that you kind of create space for these conversations to happen. I think a lot of people would just kind of say like, get back to work and like, you know, you take those emotions and bury them deep and don't ever let them come up again. And just put the paint on the wall. Yeah. Stop, stop making it complicated. But it is complicated. (laughs) And it takes time. It slows down the paint getting on the wall. Yeah, it does. That conflict, when, when you have that personal conflict, everybody's slower. Mm. Everything slows down. So that is one thing that if you get good at that, it will make your business run better and you'll make more money. Well, that, that's the thing about this that the that uh, you know the people that are terrified of conflict maybe don't realize is there is another side to it. Like there's a greener pasture that you get to, which is like a huge amount of energy, a huge amount of trust. Um, they've actually I've seen I've seen like business studies on this like like performance goes up measurably after a large conflict is had between like team members, like people like literally the next two weeks are just like humming because you know, that toxic energy is kind of out of their system. So there, there's some benefits here that, um, that I think people are not aware of. Uh, the other thing I I wanted to touch on is just like 
le- like leading situationally and going back to this piece of like you, you have a slow painter you have a project manager that's missing details you have somebody that's maybe like not f- totally fulfilling the role that they've been hired to do one thing um danny you and i have talked about this a lot like there's a f- fairly simple framework i love to use when i'm sort of analyzing situations like this it's really simple it's like there are fundamentally two reasons why somebody is is not doing their job the way that you think they should be like you really like you can boil it down to two there's they are not very good at it meaning they're unskilled or they are really good at it they're just not trying very hard like if you boiled every single example of underperformance down it would fall into one of those two categories and so with the you know, we'll say, we'll say the, the first example, someone that's not very skilled, someone like this, like you can't just tell them to go faster and like give them encouragement. Like that's, that's, they're encouraged. They're trying their best. They just literally don't know how to hold a paintbrush in the right, in the correct technique to like cut in a window. They don't know how to use ladders effectively to move faster. They don't know, um, you know, spraying technique. They're, they're bad at prep. Like there'd be all of these technical elements that they just simply haven't had the experience or coaching to do at the pace that you want them to, to use a painting example, right? So this person, if you're dealing with one of those, roll up your sleeves and go show them, right? Like be a coach, be a support person, show them how to improve their skills. Um, and then the other, the other side of the spectrum, these are a little bit trickier to deal with is, you know, you have a painter that actually is pretty skilled. Um, and he's, you know, he's got experience, but he's, he's kind of F in the D like that's, that's, we call them Mavericks. So this is somebody that's, that's, you know, super high ceiling, tons of potential can be very good when they want to, but you know, for whatever reason right now, they're, they're not trying super hard in those instances with the Mavericks. It's almost always a conflict issue. There's something that they're upset about. There's some reason that they're not putting their back into it. And so you know, I, I I say that to say this, like, I don't, I don't want listeners to be like, well, I need to have conflict with every one of my employees because they're underperforming. It's like, no, like, like really think about it. Is this a skill issue? Because if that's the case, you don't need to go and have conflict. You need to teach them how to do their job better, which is your role as a leader. Whereas the other side, on the, on the other side of the spectrum, when you're dealing with the maverick, it, it is a conflict thing. And that's when you would pull out this tool from the tool set. And sometimes it's both. And sometimes it can be both. And yeah. sometimes you put your back and your work and your thought into it and it's not actually worthwhile and that relationship needs to end. And it's also important knowing when it's enough. It's also knowing like, you know, I've taken my time as a leader to train and develop you. I've taken my time to sit down and understand you. And I've pushed and done everything I can to help you. And you don't want to be here. Yeah. And it's knowing how to let go of that relationship, especially in today's world when you've got such a lack of labor, they're so hard to find good people. And a lot of times we'll hold on to that wrong person longer than we should just because we're too afraid of what it would be like to actually replace that person. And Toby, I didn't even curious to get your stories on this, but like how many times have you had that feeling? You finally pull the bandaid off, they're out and the best person comes back in or comes in because you opened up a space for that person versus so many times. Yeah. Well, I, I think the thing that we're bad at as entrepreneurs is creating a really great marketing program for new employees. Mm-hmm. So you have to have, just like you find customers, you have to have a system where you find new people. That's the biggest pain point that we used to struggle with. It was just like, oh my gosh, it's going to be so hard to find another person and let's just deal with this person with this attitude problem, right? Mm -hmm. Um, But that attitude is poison. It will poison, especially if you want to, you know, grow and have people taking ownership and 
really doing a great job and going above and beyond that, 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 that bad attitude is terrible. It shows other people, Hey, you can also behave in this way and you won't get fired and it'll be okay. So yeah, it, it, every time I've done that, I go, I should have done it sooner. And I should have just set aside the time to hire the right person. Yeah. And multiple times I've hired the wrong person. Just, uh, you'll fit, you'll, you'll, you'll do. And, it, and it didn't save me any time. It's interesting. Everything we've talked about today does not have the strength that it could have if you have the ability and the confidence to be able to replace people when you need to. Yeah. Right? You you will approach conflict. You will approach the way you train somebody. You'll approach you know learning somebody's values, their disc profile, all this stuff. You'll approach it with weakness because you'll be like, well, I kind of want you to learn this, but if you don't really like, it's okay. Like I'll I'll put up with it. But if you know this is where we're heading as a team, this is what I want to do to drive performance in everybody, and this cool. is where we're going. Get on the bus or get off. The message is clear. And it allows people to follow you with confidence and allows you to make, you know, the, and basically to drive your team towards where you actually need to go versus constantly yeah. being worried about what if that person leaves, maybe it won't push too hard. So, yeah, you, you, yeah, you, you can't do that. It is, it is an absolute disaster. <laughs> absolutely. Oh my gosh. Yeah. Toby. Um, and that's the problem. Like I brought, I'm like, I really care about you and I want to help you. But in the end of the day, I cannot help people if I don't have a business that's crank making hundred dollar bills for me to help people with. Right. Like one of our big things this year is we, with BTA, we did that trip to Mexico. We built that house. Mm-hmm. I told the team, I go, they're all excited about it. I say, great. If we hit our GP goal halfway through the year, we're going to go to Mexico. I'm going to pay for every, all the expenses for us to go build a house for a family. We're going to work with the family. You're going to have the most amazing time, but you don't get to go if we don't hit our GP goal. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And for me, that man, like I want to so bad say, I don't care what we do. I'm taking you all, but there's gotta be that level of ownership. They say, Hey, we earned this. Um, and so, you know, you gotta make money in the business to fund the, the good work that you really want to do. Cool. Totally. It's a lot of work to do all this. Some people have considered it. Some people are probably doing exactly what you're doing. And some people are on the opposite side saying, this is just too much for me. I don't want to, deal with this level of like thought and feeling and a lot of people just don't share as much. Yeah. Yeah. And it's, it's just, it's a, it's a new way of running a business. You know, when you look at, there is very much the old school and the new school, there's value actually to both. There is. And I think that for those who are approaching and learning how to do this new school way of management, um, there's huge benefits to it. There's also a huge sacrifice and time and commitment to it. But long term, I think you've got a very good story of what's happened out of it. And actually, I'm even curious, just out of all this we've talked about, what are some really just cool success stories you've had from all this work and effort and time and everything? Yeah, um, man, I've got, a, I've got so many, so many little mini breakthroughs and some big ones that were just so fantastic. Um, one of them is I have a production manager who started off, he didn't even know how to paint and he started off cleaning the paintbrushes for the painters. And then he, um, he became a project lead, eventually became a great painter, then a project lead. And then he was in charge of a couple of uh, projects. And then he was in charge of all of the projects, all of the job leads. Um, now he, so he went from cleaning out paintbrushes 10 years ago with no skill to now he does all the interviewing, hiring, uh, all the management of all the people that work in the field. So he's in charge of all of them. So 20, 25 painters to uh, two managers and he leads all those people. And um, I think the biggest, the biggest breakthrough for me with him is, um, and it was just a lot of little, 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 you know, it's like a staircase step, stair, step, stair, step, stair, step, right. But the biggest one was when he saw that 
the way he led the team, he went from a boss to a manager to a leader. The way he managed and led and was willing to talk about conflict with uh, his his people, the, the better they performed and the easier his job became. So instead of having a problem that you don't really talk about because it's going to be a hard conversation, and this is a guy that was never wanted to ever bring up anything that was controversial, to now he's willing to talk about it in an appropriate way without being angry, that all of a sudden his team performs really well. Mm. And he's a young guy. I think he's 31 years old and he interviews and handles all that. And uh, he's in charge of it. I, I really don't get involved when it comes to hiring painters um, because I'm just going to get in his way. Wow. And it's been over, over years. We've trained him. I've done it first. I, he, he observed me doing it. Um, He's me uh, questioning about values, um, really, showing him the process and then he did it i observed um there's that Duraghi method but it really comes down to i'm going to do it and you watch me i'm going to do it you help me you're going to do it i'm going to help you and then you're going to do it i'm going to watch you and now i'm going to go and somebody else is going to watch me do something else mm-hmm. i hear i hear like different different people probably listening there's there's lots of people i talk to every day that are like a they're like there's just no good people out there how do you find good people can i just find good people and then i also hear like well, i don't want to give them too much of our secret sauce because what if they leave us and become our competitor and i don't want to and it's this constant defeatist attitude that's i think affecting our industry and it's just people like you told me that we need to stand up and just have these we talked about it right at the beginning these non-transactional relationships with the people around mm-hmm. us where it's like look Things could go well, things could not go well, but I will approach my people, my process, my industry itself with an open arm saying, I will invest in you and I'll do everything I can to make this as best we can. You're on my bus, you're off my bus, I'll figure that out as we go, but I'm not gonna be, I'm not gonna approach this with fear or mm-hmm. defeat that I can't find good people. Like, we're, of course you're not gonna be able to find good people. It's a tough industry. There's not that many people able to do it. So why don't we start to create those people instead of just complaining about it? Totally. Yeah. Yeah. Homegrown. Yeah. There, there's so many stories about this, just like in in this space. Like you hear it all the time. There's and there's there's like popular scapegoats. Like people love to blame millennials. They don't want to work. They hate the trades. They just like they're super lazy. Like that's a really common one. So that's a reason that they can't find good people. Or you'll hear. You know, our well, our educators aren't doing a good enough job like marketing trades to our young people and therefore they're not interested in it. And then like there's just all of these stories, these reasons that people can't find a great team or can't build one around them. But like, if you look at the really high performing Breakthrough Academy members that we work with, like every single one of them has an unbelievable team. The thing is, it's taken them years to build <laughs> yeah, because that's just how it is. Um. They've made mistakes along the way because that's just how it is. But they've stood for something. They've stood for a set of values and sort of like put a sign out front saying, this is who we are and this is how we do things. And that's a non-negotiable. If you want to be a part of it, we'd love to have you. And over time, you know, if you build it, they will come and and they have. Um, It's when you're like, I need a painter tomorrow. (laughs) <laughs> and that's all I care about. That's that's when you kind of get yourself into that cycle and then those stories reinforce. And then, yeah, yeah you do have bad luck with bad people. But uh, yeah, it, it's it's interesting. Like th- there are a set of best practices to to building an amazing team around you. And, and uh, I think sometimes people get in their own way. 
There's no pill. I thought there was a pill. There's no. You, yeah. You, you yeah. Okay. Like, is there some website where all the good people are applying that I haven't heard of? I heard it was Indeed. Maybe yeah. It's maybe it's Indeed. Yeah. It's like, no, no, like it's Facebook indeed. ads. Yeah. No, I'll tell you what. Go to Chick-fil-A. <laughs> you think our society is doomed? I am blown away when I go to Chick-fil-A. I don't go very often because the drive through is so long. Everybody just waits and waits. But every one of those people there are just the highest level of professional in a fast food drive through That's a really good and, point. Same with In-N-Out. Yeah. They, they just train them really well. They invest in the people and they, you know, they, they scream. You can't just get a You don't just get to show up and get a job. Right. And, and those things run really well. I was actually at a golf tournament with the owner of a Chick-fil-A and I said, Hey, what's, how do you do this? Right. And he says, you know what? If you put in the work, it can run really well. If you don't, it won't, it'll be a disaster. But I am always amazed at the level of professionalism and customer service and care I get when I go there. And they're just so kind. And that's a fast food joint. And that's yeah. a fast food joint. Yeah. And it's not, it's not a, it's not like a super Most glamorous thing ever. <laughs> nobody when they're 15 goes, I just can't wait to work there. Right. <laughs> but I love how they, they just seem to turn out people that just kill it. Right. And so there's people out there. I think that as a society, like when you're looking for people to hire, you're not looking for the right things. And I think people, I think there's these barriers that are created. So you just got to be looking at people and just have your eyes wide open watching for those, the, the, the types of values exhibited in that person and how they operate with, you know, in what they do. I, I think skills as a painter, you could train somebody to be a pretty solid painter in six months to a year, right? Totally. Really good. Um, so it's not the skills and we used to hire just for skills. Can you paint a room in this much time? Great. We'll hire you. And and now you got to ask them their values and have really creative ways to ask them about, you know, what this looks like in their life. And, and I think if you have the values alignment, they're going to work really, really hard for you. And like my, my perspective is if you look at most people, they do about 50% of what they actually could do at work. Mm-hmm. Right. Like th- those studies that say, People are watching, checking their email and spending half their time doing something that's not work related. And, and I think if you can touch to that, that thing, you have them connected with your values and they match those. And then you can share your vision with them of your company and show them. So I have a blank piece of paper behind me right there. That's actually my employees, how his, this is my dream board. That's how his vision fits in my dream board. We were talking one day and I put it, I said, Hey, this is your spot on my board. My job is to help you get to the place where you didn't think you could get to by yourself. Like that dream, that vision you had where you're like, man, I've, I've always wanted to do this, but I don't think I can do it. So I gave up on it. That's that for me. My vision is to help you get there, whatever that looks like, right? Mm-hmm. I'm not going to pull up my checkbook and write a check for a hundred grand to help buy an island in Fiji, but I'm going to talk with him about it, encourage him, ask him questions. And maybe someday when I have, billions of dollars i can give them a big check to write it to buy an island but but it's you know when i do that it's telling them you are really important to me and what you want to do is really important and you're not just here to do tasks we're here to to really crush it together and when you know when all together we win when you get you're accomplishing those dreams and visions that you didn't think was possible this has been a really wonderful conversation, Toby, and, and I, I'm just like so inspired by the way that you approach your team uh, and, and your people. And that that sort of vision board example is just 
Perfect. Um, I, I want to close on just sort of one really open-ended question here, which would be like, what what advice would you have for an entrepreneur who has someone in their business or has a, maybe a few people on their team who, you know, they're, they're not there yet. They've got a ton of potential. You can see what they could be in the future, but they're maybe a little rough around the edges. They're a little unpolished. Um, you know, how would you encourage an entrepreneur who finds themselves in that situation? Take them to lunch <laughs> and ask them about themselves. What do you like to do? You know, tell me about your family, wife, kids, you know, you should know that stuff, right? What's going on? What do you, what do you want to do this year? So you get to know them and show them that you care about them and what's important to them and just let them talk. Right. And then they're going to, they're going to give you some things that you can now say, Hey, I want to help you do that. I want to help you be better in this way. Right. So this morning I was prepping for this thing an employee came in and she was having a hard time. And I just said, Hey, we're going to walk through this conflict resolution thing right now. And I just knew that was the most important thing I could do right at that time. And she's like, wow, this was amazing. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Um, and she'll probably do a great job today, but this is going to take a big, there's a major problem that she had and now she can solve it herself. So I think you got to get to know your people and then, you know, understand that you may want to help them grow, but they're going to grow at their speed. Right. So you got to know that even though I want them to become awesome in this way, we're just trying a bunch of little things and some of them work out really good. Right. Hey, let's work on this this week. What do you think about that? No, I hate that. Okay. Tell me about that. Why do you hate that? Right. Um, I, so I think you got to really know your people and then just be liberate, be deliberate about it. And it's not all focused on performance. It's got to be focused on, I care about you. I want to help you to um, win here and in your personal life. So I'm not going to spend two hours a day talking to employees about their personal life, but I, w- I, I do need to spend 20, 30 minutes a month, right? Let's leave it at that. I think that's a, a really good note to end on. Um, Toby, this is, as I said, just been so incredibly insightful. Um, I want to thank you for your time, but also just sort of showing up and being incredibly real, incredibly vulnerable and, and sharing with us some of the stuff you've learned. Um, so we'd love to have you back and, and thanks a million for doing this with us. It's awesome. Man. Yeah. Thanks guys. This has been, this has been fantastic. I, I learned some things from you too, Danny. So I'm like, I got to write that down. <laughs> so I'm going to watch this later and then write down what you said. That was, that was great. At the end of the day, this, this is healthy. Everyone listening, like iron sharpens iron. We can all learn from each other. This industry is not going to change itself. It's going to take all of us doing a little bit each. And those who listen to this and you're like, yeah, I maybe should invest in my people a little more. I can go a long way especially if we're all doing it together. So absolutely. Take care, Toby. We'll talk to you soon. Thanks guys. Have a great day. See you, buddy. Hey, if you enjoyed this show, hit that subscribe button. It's what allows us to produce more awesome content for you totally for free.